to the 41st annual award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Gremion, and I'm just glad I get to host this podcast, co-host this podcast with the, the Sultan of Slick, the Rule of Cool. <laughs> uh, he's the, uh, I'm at your fucking feet gathering pearls that emanate from you. Uh, and you're you're the fucking original, straight first foremost pimp Mac fucking hustler original gangsters gangster. Just got to put that out there. You know, there's something yeah. off the top of my head. You know, just hey, you know, <laughs> that's that's that that's what we that's what we come to expect from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just uh, one of the pearl. That's just a pearl that happened to emanate from my head. Yeah, you know, if you're standing in front of a mirror, flexing your muscles, <laughs> yeah, just. Just, it, you know, trying not to be heard, but kind of trying to be heard. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're trying to, like, you know, uh, eventually murder a, 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 a person you stole from a, a, a an asylum. Very, what an insane movie we watched. Who just wants to go to the Baywatch. <laughs> wants to go to the Baywatch. Oh, God. What um, an, uh... Folks, it's, uh, it's Sunday morning and fitting that we are going to go to worship in the house of Geely this morning. Yeah, I've crawled to the my the altar shaped like a, a dead Lenny, uh, Lenny uh, God, I can't even remember. Lenny Benito. I wanted to say Danny DeVito so badly, but I had to say Lenny Benito. It's, it's kind of a shame. I mean, God bless Lenny, but uh, kind of a shame it's not Danny. It would have been a... Uh, been, uh, no, it probably wouldn't have helped anything. I mean, now that, now that yeah. I think about it, it's like um, it would have been like pleasant to see him. Maybe if anything, though, you would have felt worse because you're like, oh, Danny, you don't have to do this, man. <laughs> like, Martin, you don't know, like, you owe nothing to Martin Brest. <laughs> like you feel for Chris Walken and Al yeah. Pacino. <laughs> yeah, like okay, Al Pacino, I understand to a certain degree because you know maybe he's like, okay, he got me an Oscar. I'm gonna come in here and do a favor for this guy. One day, one day of work. Yeah, walk, walk in. in. You owe nothing. Get the fuck out of there, man. I need to go to Marie Callender's. <laughs> Although, I mean, he might owe nothing, but and we'll get to this in a little bit. Walken might provide us with the only good moment in this entire movie. <laughs> it is like a life raft. Although, here's my question: If you have like one good moment in a horrible film, doesn't that make the film like worse? Isn't that like, like oh. it's like just having this one tantalizing moment where like, uh, you know, you're tantalous grabbing for fruit in Hades and Look, like you yeah. get you get one plum, you get one plum. One and plum. then <laughs> and after you eat that plum, you're like, oh, man, that tastes is so I'm never going to have another one. Oh. No, <laughs> I'm just stuck it, here eating it, sand. It does come relatively early in the film. So let's get into it, folks. Um, as we we left off with Martin Brest in 1998 with uh, the maximalist Meet Joe Black covered in our last episode, which um, did not do particularly well in the United States, but had a good foreign uh, total, worldwide total to bring bring up that number to, 
you know, at least kind of help it get a get get um get over the line from being considered a big old flop. Um, cut to five years later. The year is 2003. And Martin Brest releases what is to to date his final film. Of course, we are talking today about 2003's Gili, starring Ben Affleck, Jennifer Lopez, Justin Bartha, Al Pacino, Christopher Walken, Lainey Kazan, and the aforementioned Lenny Venito, and we should probably just throw Missy Kreider and Terrence Calamari, the titular man in a dryer, into the mix. Yeah, um, I like the man in the dryer. He was fun. Budgeted at an inexplicable $75 million. Um, it made $7.2 million at the box office. And, uh, you know, I, I, was, I was an English major in college. Patrick, what did you major in again? I literally have a degree in liberal arts. Okay, so we are not <laughs> ma- we are not math or economics guys. Not at all. <laughs> but hey, even a dumb dumb could say seven point two on a budget of seventy five. Not very good. Yeah. Um, has a six percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, critical consensus reads: bizarre and clumsily plotted. Geely is a mess. As for its stars, Affleck and Lopez lack chemistry. (laughs) (laughs) It's very polite. Uh, Roger Ebert showed some sympathy toward the film, stating it had clever dialogue, but was too disorganized for me to recommend it, which um, very polite grandpa there. Yeah, (laughs) Roger (laughs) was on the way to his job, you know, at Ebert and I guess it's Ebert and Siskel at this point. Uh, it's a Roper. Roper. Because, oh, uh, Roper. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Roper referred to the film as a disaster and Good. one of the worst I've ever seen. He then included it as one of his 100 worst films of the decade at number seven. We're not really going to get into the waste of time it is to write a list of the 100 worst films of the decade and rank them appropriately but you know whatever Roper's Roper's getting paid for it who knows yeah uh, I will say like yeah when he was on the way to Ebert and Roper uh you know he must have just gone down like coconut road with all the coconut (laughs) trees and a bunch of those bad boys must have just bonked him on the head yeah he was like climbing a tree with keith richards in the <laughs> tropics and fell out but it was a good t- a good time was had yeah by it's all. okay he, his head healed don't worry but just <laughs> like uh, yeah <laughs> so uh, I, I, i'm gonna do something here to kind of get so we've covered julie before yes. in depth um we are we'll talk a little bit more about just kind of our overall emotions about having to watch it a second time um, a little bit here but i I'm going to do something uh, that we've not done before, just to catch up some of our listeners who maybe missed the last Julie. I am going to read the plot synopsis from Wikipedia. Okay. And this is important because (laughs) reading reading it like this really does, I read it right before we came on, and it really does illuminate the insanity of what is to come shortly on both in the film and in this episode. So to get started, Larry Gili is a low-ranking Los Angeles mobster who is not nearly as tough as he likes to act. Lewis, a high-ranking member of Gili's organization, commands him to kidnap the mentally challenged younger brother of a powerful federal prosecutor to use as a bargaining chip to save New York-based mob boss Starkman from prison. I can feel the G- blood leaving my nose, my brain. <laughs> it's coming out of my nose. The poor bastard who wrote this. <laughs> 
Keep going, sorry. Gigli successfully convinces the young man, Brian, to go off with him prom- by promising to take him to the Baywatch. Apparently a reference to the television show of that name, which seems to be Brian's singular obsession. Uh, okay, audience, I gotta I gotta share this. I just woke up. Like I uh, we were just gonna record at 9 a.m. today behind the curtain, peek behind the curtain. We're recording well, at 9 a.m. <laughs> I was I woke I woke up late. So this is like the first thing I'm doing when I wake up before anything. <laughs> it's I'm hearing a synopsis of it's hurting my brain. Are, I know are you, do you are you, do you feel like you're still dreaming? Is this an inception <laughs> moment? This is like it has all it definitely has the stress uh, properties of one of those dreams where you're like a naked in school and yeah. you can't and you can't control it. Like it definitely has that. It's yeah. It's why, oh man. Why do I keep losing my teeth? <laughs> Don, my teeth are falling out. Help me. <laughs> Help me, Geely. <laughs> Help, Help me, me Larry. <laughs> you know, on that note, I have a feeling G- Larry Geely is about as good as mobster as he is a dentist. <laughs> oh, God. Not even. He's not a mobster. Fuck this movie. No, he's, he's not. He's not. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. Um, on that note, actually, good timing. Lewis does not trust Geely to get the job done right. So he hires a woman calling herself Ricky to take charge. Gigli is attracted to Ricky, but he resents both Lewis's lack of faith in him and having to take orders from a woman. He is also frustrated by Brian's insistence on going to the Baywatch and by the fact that Ricky is a lesbian. That's a real sentence. Uh, (laughs) Bad movie. Movie for fucking animals. Continue. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) A suspicious detective comes to the apartment to question Gigli in reference to Brian's disappearance. That's the only reference to this detective in this entire thing by the way uh he is further annoyed when his mother immediately bonds with ricky and they team up to needle him this is my favorite paragraph events take a darker turn when julie and ricky receive orders to cut off brian's thumb something neither wants to do worse her ex-girlfriend robin shows up to the apartment accusing ricky of changing sexual orientation robin attempts suicide by slitting her wrists and is rushed to the hospital where she survives there julie sneaks into the morgue and cuts off a corpse's thumb which he sends to the prosecutor as brian's julie and ricky go back to his apartment where he confesses his love and they sleep together what a movie <laughs> what a movie uh, um, i'm glad that they don't like show us that last part like they leave it to the imagination kind of so I can have the headcanon in my head that Ricky just drove the car into like off the off the, off the bridge into like Baywatch. the LA River or something. Yeah. 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 See, they're all gonna live in the Baywatch of the sky now. Ricky, so. why did you stop the car on this these train tracks? Oh no reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh train doesn't come for another hour. Damn it. Yeah, I talked to Brian more on you know, Brian is not blind, so why does he think he can talk on a flashlight phone? It's, it's a, that character is so bad. I feel so bad for Justin Bertha. It is like, I it, can't. Oh, he thought it was his big break, too, I think, because oh. he's getting to work with all these heavy hitters. And it's yeah. just, oh, it's embarrassing. Oh, you, you um, bet your ass he thought it was his what's eating Gilbert grape moment. He's I like, know. this. Mm. Um, they are summoned to meet with the boss Starkman reveals that he did not approve of the plan to kidnap a a federal prosecutor's brother or cut off Brian's thumb he nevertheless rages at them because it didn't match Brian's fingerprint and therefore not only failed to increase pressure on the prosecutor but even undermined their credibility 
Starkman then kills Lewis in retaliation for the kidnapping and associated scrutiny by law enforcement. He's about to kill Ricky and Geely, but she talks him out of it. She points out that only they know where Brian is and they can silence and prevent him from revealing Starkman's organization's involvement in the kidnapping. To which Starkman simply goes, eh, okay. <laughs> they, they leave Starkman's, decide to leave the mob, and discuss taking Brian back to where they found him. On the way, they discover a Baywatch-like music video filming on the beach. Brian begs to be let, let off there, and finally, they consent. Geely convinces Ricky to take his car to escape to parts unknown. At the last minute, she returns to pick him up, and they leave town together. Well, what a movie. Um absolutely bizarre um i didn't speaking as a brestian felt yes. with my fellow brestian i gotta put that hat um, back on put yep. that hat back on we got our hats and if yep. anyone wants to make us some cool hats we would wear them oh 100 <laughs> percent. i would yeah. love to wear a brestian hat yeah oh, I like actually, flex- <laughs> brestian. it would be maybe <laughs> actually yeah yeah i was thinking about it i was like maybe not maybe i don't want to run around with the breast i'll know if it's b-r-e-s-t i think maybe you'd avoid scrutiny <laughs> we were canceled by because of confusion as to being cinematic nerds <laughs> we're not perverts we're just nerds please we're just big fans of meet joe black <laughs> <laughs> we just love hot tomorrows Oh, yeah, maybe a hat that says Hot Tomorrows. That's kind of neat. That's actually cool. Let's do that. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. okay. Flip it up. But it's from the Brestian collection. We'll put it that That way. That I like. We'll have like an BC. Perfect. There we go. Boy, boy, Martin Brest would be like, wow, they did a podcast about me. That's weird. They created a clothing line about me. That's (laughs) even weirder. Yeah. (laughs) One of them is just put me in a hole and is trying to wear my skin. (laughs) <laughs> it puts the lotion in the basket. Martin Brest. Oh Jesus! I already got the uh, This is Sunday at nine thirty a.m. with the Academy Academy. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't notice any of the recurring themes or ideas or obsessions in this movie at all. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know, like, if we can chalk this entirely up to studio interference. I think that didn't help the cause, but he still came up with the overall, like, unless they really, really, like, changed, like, every element of this, there are still seeds that are in his original script. And he, this is his first original script since going in style that he has um, credit on. I mean, I'm sure he um, developed every script he was involved and had a hand in that but um but this is his sense of humor at least in 2003 Uh, (laughs) Um, it's so um this is his idea of gender dynamics in 2003 um and that's (sighs) it's not strong it it, it (laughs) paints a grim picture and like it it does look like i want to it's so funny because I went into this film viewing being like, okay, you know, it's really easy to knock on Geely, you know, to hit Geely. Yeah. It's like a very, it's an easy target. I'm going to go into this, you know, we just watched some incredible, like, uh, breast films. We watched, like, Beverly Hills Cop. We watched Midnight Run. We know the guy has the goods. I like Scent of a Woman more than I did in the previous viewing. Yeah, he- I mean, he, even the psychedelic middle brow movies. 
yeah. kind, of, kind of worked, at Me least. Mitchell Black is fascinating. I would watch that mm-hmm. movie again, like yeah. on my own volition. But uh, it's only three hours. If you have an extra three hours and one minute to spare, <laughs> yeah, maybe if I'm like on a, I don't know, if I'm like on a plane trip to Greece or something, like a fourteen-hour uh, plane uh-uh. trip. Uh-uh. Don't watch the plane edit though, because that is an Alan Smithy project. <laughs> that is we true. learned last episode. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> Martin uh... Press is going to come and beat you up on that trip to Greece. <laughs> <laughs> but watching this, it's just like it just makes it. The, the the successes only highlight how unsuccessful this movie is. Yeah, yeah. And I can't like so many notes. So many of my notes rewatching this are just a horrid feature. Uh, fuck this movie. Like you know, I, I hate like all the, the 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 turns of phrase he try he makes up to try to be cute as well. Like it makes yeah. my penis sneeze. That sucks. That's bad. Oh, and, he- sucks. And, and heterolingus. Ugh, get out of here. All the way all the way up to, of course, the um turkey time, gobble gobble, which got (laughs) was appropriately ripped in 2003 and continues to be appropriately ripped in 2021. Um, Yeah, no, this is like this guy, Martin Brest, uh he shouldn't he shouldn't allow to be horny in a movie. Yeah, yeah, he can't do it. It is and it is a strange thing because he's obviously, I mean, and Again, maybe not obviously. Maybe this is alleged. We'll go with an allegedly. Um, he's horny for Jennifer Lopez in the way he shoots her, the way he ha- way as her dressed. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 very, it's very strange. It's yeah. just really, really. I mean, that scene where she's doing sexy yoga while explaining the differences between men and women that goes on for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, is astonishing. It's, it's yeah. It's, I mean, because the scenes like if there were more scenes like the walk-in scene and even the Pacino scene or even some of the Lenny stuff or even God heaven forbid Gigli's mom, um, at least it would be like this weird kind of episodic bouncing around between Los Angeles freaks yes. kind of thing, which I guess. But what I don't understand is like. He's clearly like gunning for like a midnight run, like a return to like the midnight run Beverly Hills Cop era, where it is this kind of combination of crime and comedy. Yeah. And buddy stuff and strange collection of characters and that kind of thing. But it's, I I have no idea. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I I think no idea. I I agree with you as well because like you, you look at Ben Affleck's performance and it's very easy to see that he's trying to like uh, mimic Robert De Niro. Yeah. Like he's trying to yeah. do his Robert De Niro. And it and does. No, Midnight Run is one of Ben Affleck's absolute favorite movies. Oh, yeah. No, I bet when he was making this, he was like, this is going to be my Midnight Run. Jennifer Lopez is my uh, Charles Grodin. It's going to yeah. be, or maybe Justin Bartha's is Charles Grodin. I'm not even quite sure how it all pans yeah. out. The, but, movie uh, needed, the, the movie needed Charles Grodin. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It needed, well, it needed like a character that you could be like, you could like relate to, I guess, or something well, like someone you could feel sympathy for, kind I of. I think the idea that Ricky was, oh boy, for lack of a better term, the straight man. <laughs> yeah, um, brother. Uh, in this, but because like Jennifer Lopez is like, the character is so like weirdly stilted and just fake there's nothing real about ricky 
at all. It is just a series of speeches while strutting in a miniskirt. It seems the entire movie, and that's by design, yeah. not Jennifer Lopez's fault. I don't, I don't no. believe actually on that. It's by design within the script that that was all they gave her. It very much, it does feel like a rich fifty-year-old man, <sighs> yeah, writing a female character, which it's a, it's a which we well, have run, which we have run into over the course of the last few breast films. Yeah, oh, 100%. It's such a shame, like, uh, you see a movie like Beverly Hills Cop, and the female lead of that movie is fascinating, because... Not, not a romantic, not, yeah. played up, not played up to be just eye candy. She is an equal and a friend Yeah, Axel Foley. So there was a time when he could do it, and then just... Something happened. Maybe it is money. Maybe it is like, uh, well, I think part of it too is like, like he, well, this, yeah, he, this could also be where the studio interfered. Mm, you know, true. We might not want to blame it all on, we're not blame all of it. I mean, well, yeah. And I, well, I, I do want to say that I do think that, like, yeah, I think the main problem with that character is Martin Brest uses Jennifer Lopez as the pulpit for which he can uh, share all his weird takes like you've said on like yeah like this is like the birds and the bees and how it works and this is I why women always he's trying to be like um progressive sort of her, i think it but it comes off like i think like having her say like you know this is why it's so much like women are so much better you know all this mm-hmm. kind of thing and and i think it is this like man isn't this cool i'm creating this like crazy sexy but like progressive she reads like Chinese yeah. mythology. She's like oh, does yeah. yoga. She's like, but she's but but don't worry, fellas. She's also a babe, yeah. and it's just like, and but none of it matters because she still sleeps with Chili. None yeah. of it matters. I mean, it's off the table because Chili is an abhorrent uh, character. He's just the worst. Just a blot, <laughs> a blot on good times. Is this this movie? Yeah, Geely is like a cancer that permeates every aspect of this film. Yeah, and it's from a little another peek behind the podcast curtain. The opening scene of this movie is Larry Geely is shaking down this poor guy and he shoved him into a laundry machine and Geely's talking to the camera looking into the laundry machine and that has become a personal two-man meme. <laughs> among Patrick and Maybe like that's the way this movie uh, like kind of redeems itself. It's sort of like a uh, there's a movie called there's a little known movie called the believer with ryan gosling where he plays like a jewish neo-nazi yeah, I've, and he, I've seen it yeah, oh yeah i saw it I, I saw that movie it's a good movie but uh, the movie yeah, ends and- with him like he takes everyone out of the synagogue that he put a planted a bomb in and he blows up and he wakes up in i guess like limbo or where, where he's like climbing the stairs like he's he's constantly climbing oh, stairs geez. and like and i feel like this this is this is this movie's version of constantly having to climb up six he he like every time Ryan Gosling climbs upstairs in the Believer, he's confronted by a teacher that he told he thinks God isn't real, and the teacher's like, "Hey, maybe you were right about what you said earlier." And like that's like kind of his hell or his like um, limbo or whatever. And I think that's like this is this is Geely's version of that. Like it's gonna have yeah. to do a million memes to make up <laughs> for the sins well, it's caused. It's interesting that that's an interesting jumping off point that you mentioned there, though, about the idea of. Sin and limbo and yeah. uh, purgatory, because we've talked a little bit about how Breast has a cynical view, mm. and this is, I think, his most cynical movie 
by a wide margin is he like (laughs) what if what if he was planning to to essentially do a cinematic suicide bomb oh man and he was planning on walking away from the movie business and he's like i'm gonna bomb i'm gonna like do the equivalent of a truly a terroristic act um but obviously in a far lesser real like less meaningful world of right no he's gonna produce movie he's doing the producers yes yes yeah i love it i like that reading (laughs) of it that's cool actually i think if if martin breast was like fuck you this is me like me joe black was such a pain in the ass for him dealing with all the stars and all that money that he's like guess what i'm gonna do yeah I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna do a producer's basically. I'm not gonna give a shit. I'm gonna I'm gonna peace out afterwards. You're never gonna see me ever again. You no, know, gonna... enjoy slopping up this turd, you dogs. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because <laughs> they're gonna remember you, not me. <laughs> like... Oh man, what a they're, they're not asking me about Geely Ben. <laughs> oh poor Ben Affleck thought he was oh, no, yeah. Ben Affleck thought he was working with his hero and he was actually part of a doomed terrorist operation. <laughs> Yeah, he ended up held, holding the bag, and that bag was filled well, yeah, with. Yeah, the... he's he's the um, he's the dumb fall guy. He's the guy that they know. He's the Patsy. He's the Patsy. That's uh, that's a good meta. Like, I love that meta interpretation of Ben Affleck. It's like, yeah, he like so many of Ben Affleck's characters. He's just a, he's just Ben Affleck is just him. It's just like his character in Gone Girl. Like at this yeah. point, they're both like one of the oh, same. Oh, and Martin Brest is the titular Gone Girl. Oh yeah, no, he's yeah. Roseman Pike, a hundred percent. Well, folks, I think if Patrick, if we write this as a blacklist style screenplay about yes. the real origin of Julie, I think we're winning the blacklist next year. Oh man, let's do it! I love it. I love nobody steal nobody steal our idea <laughs> to, to our nope. eight listeners. Nobody no, steal no, no. the idea. I'm I'm looking at you, guy in India. Yeah, I know who we love. We Thank love you. who we Thank love you for joining us. Actually, it is like crazy that someone in that's actually like no joke. Like, I'd, lo- I'd love to get an email and see just what drew you. <laughs> yeah, honestly, guy, uh, fellow who is listening, you know, you could be or in, lady could or be lady, lady. Yeah. or lady. You know, you could be in uh, uh, a Bangalore. You could be in could be in Kashmir. Like, yeah, let us know. Welcome and welcome to the uh, welcome to the, the world of the Academy Academy. We would yeah. love to know what drew you in. Yeah. But um, is it is it psychotic takes that Geely is actually a bomb coming from inside the house? Uh, <laughs> I, maybe. I, I don't know if we're going to top that. I think that that was a good. That was a good. Yeah. Idea. <laughs> that's like definitely. I feel like weirdly enough, that's the politest way to, to review this film. Yeah, it is. Folks, it is so strange. I kept thinking about that. I, and, of course, one of the other things that was changed in the test screenings that many people know about is Gili was killed at the end of Martin Press' original version. Oh, man. So we put a downer ending on all... Or is it a downer ending? I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I think that he should have gone full serious man Cohen brothers and, like, they turn around in a natural disaster. Like a, uh, I, I mean, roll. I see the deep impact tidal wave coming from Baywatch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the uh, the abyss aliens, they they're yeah. flipping the channels and they see one of them is Geely, and they're like, "Oh, we gotta, we gotta end this think, now." Yeah, I think that James Cameron may have seen it before he started Avatar, and was like, "I need to do something <laughs> to show what the world can be." 
Yeah, and the off chance that the abyss is real. <laughs> Was I right on this too? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, just an update too, folks. And we will get to this at some point. I subscribed to the masterclass so I can take James Cameron's new masterclass. I will give a full update on all of the lessons learned and then over the next few weeks. Little James Cameron teaser. Oh, uh, man. But, yeah, I think it's odd, too, because I saw Terminator 2 in the theater within days of this Geely screening. And it is like, oh, here's how a movie comes together. <laughs> like, it's right. like, all of the pieces work. And and I was so, you know, you're so dramatically invested. And that was one thing I noticed this time around on Geely. I think the initial, like, just shock of what this is the first time we saw it. Mm-hmm. kind of one out this time around i was really struck perhaps most by how dramatically inert it is yeah like, nothing happens on top of everything else <laughs> and, and it's funny that like you know nothing because it definitely feels like nothing happens but it's kind of a testament to how uh as you said like dramatically inert this movie feels that you know, uh, Justin Bar. Someone gets stolen from a like an institution. Someone there are gangsters. There are guns. Yeah, they there are sneak kidnappings. In, they, they sneak into a hospital and cut off a cadaver's thumb. But everything is done with like this but nonchalant. You, you have to remember because it's done at the same time as Justin Bartha is rapping. Um, I like big butts, and I cannot lie. Oh, God, I lost as, the brain cell while I was hearing as that. Geely is trying to use, like, a hospital cafeteria knife to cut off a corpse's finger. Uh, <sighs> imagine if Michael Mann had directed this. <laughs> Michael Mann's Geely. See, if you... <laughs> right off the top. Right off the top. It's Geely's too bad at his job. Yeah. Or Michael Mann to, like... <laughs> no, yeah, that's true. <laughs> It's like, yeah, yeah, just well, the, like the, the lead would be Jennifer Lopez, and Jennifer yeah. Lopez would be pissed off at like Geely <laughs> sucks. She shouldn't. They should have killed each other, or or yeah. she should have killed him. But like, that's the thing is like the Lenny, um, who only goes to the Ivy. I hate it. Hate why it. are you with the Ivy? Why are you? Or why Lewis, are you there? Lewis, yeah. Lewis, Lenny's Lewis. his real name. Yeah, Lenny. Um, oh, poor Lenny. One thing that uh, we should also note is Chris Walken's character name is Detective Stanley Jacobellis. Oh, <laughs> <Just> God. <laughs> what a... Okay, starting things off, and no, no offense to the Larrys out there. Yeah, there are no tough guys named Larry. Yeah, Larry's Larry's a professor. Yeah, if, you, if you're if you're lucky, you know the tough like the toughest one I know is maybe a cable guy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I guess but, you know, Larry is a Woody Allen character name. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. It's like yeah, it's like Larry Morty. Any like name that Wait, ends with wonder R Y. Wonder why his name wasn't like Tommy Geely or something like that. Oh, I think one. that would have like, hey folks, if you you got an alt character name for Larry Geely. Send it our way. Hashtag uh, better name Geely. Because um, we'd, we'd like to hear it. Because Larry Geely just, it starts things off. So Lewis, though, I'm so confused. He hires two in one foot, like two ineffectual tough guys to watch mm-hmm. over this job. Right. There's no tough guys. Is this about, is this like a post Sopranos about the rot 
about how bad the mafia has gotten. Is it an Irishman-esque take? On, like if Larry Gili showed up to a job with Frank Sheeran, would Frank be like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about this guy. <laughs> like, you know, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Pop him in the head with two to the face. Yeah, just immediately. <laughs> no questions. Like, he reads his boss's mind. Uh, and I he th- goes back to Joe Pesci and they share some bread. And Joe Pesci's like, you know, probably the right call. I yeah. like that you went, you went off book, but it was probably the right call. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to say it is what it is. We <laughs> Even Jimmy Hoffa's like, yeah. Right call. Yeah. Right call. It sucks. Yeah. Everyone, the Boy, police are I, like. I, I thought I had a large adult son. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, he's the mafia's large adult son. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, but it's all actually supposed to be seemingly also played for light laughs mm-hmm. and like sentiment. Like, you know what I feel when Larry and Ricky and Brian become? That's a family. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah should we have met brian's brother the prosecutor yeah who probably sh- who could have been played by oh i don't know um danny devito maybe yeah or robert de niro or robert de- charles Grodin. yeah like but also make them an asshole and make it seem like they don't like brian which means the relationship brian's never been loved so larry and um ricky Ricky, sorry. That's no, so, okay. It's, it's okay amazing to... that someone with like who is such a movie star is so forgettable. It's also or so beautiful is also so forgettable. It's truly uh it's distra- stunning. Stunning. Well, it's, all, it's also truly distressing that like that's now like memories in my brain. Like I've probably forgotten, like, you know, at this point, you know, I'm at the point where if I put something in my head, something's coming out. So I probably lost like the name of a childhood friend. So yeah, I could, yeah. like, <laughs> a really good like memory of like like a, like a Steven Spielberg, Stephen King-like memory of riding bikes with your friends in the summer before you got up to an adventure. Yeah, gone. For the first time I caught a fish with my father, that memory disappears in, in its oh. place, the Wikipedia entry for Geely. Yeah, I know. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> the, I mean, like, I, I said it, I don't know if I've said it on the show, but I think I've said it to you outside the show. Like, we went to Malibu with my mom. Mm-hmm. To show our, show my daughter to the beach oh, for man. the first time, and we walk down to the beach, all of us. It's a beautiful moment. We're watching the surfers in action. It's a sunny day. <laughs> did did I say to myself, "We have made it to the Baywatch"? Oh no! Oh no! What have we done to ourselves? <laughs> uh, I, it's forever. <laughs> forever associated this beautiful memory with your daughter with Geely. Jen was like she walked in she's like you're watching it again I'm like yeah and she's like I guess it's a good thing you didn't buy it like on DVD and I was like yeah I guess if we're gonna look on the bright side of things <laughs> yeah that's true you won't it's, have it it's not in the permanent although there is like this like stinker a little stinker in me that was like when we have people over for a part movie night one day there's this thought of like them walking over looking at the dvd shelf and oh you got stalker you have the apu trilogy (laughs) (laughs) oh there's citizen kane of course (laughs) what why why do you have geely on dvd (laughs) oh man does that dvd come with like special here's i would i know i I legitimately looked because i would have bought it i think if it had had special features of like watching them 
gritting through their teeth trying to like sell it like it's really fun heartwarming but kind of exciting comedy yeah it's like yeah ben or ben f like like lying through his teeth trying to sell I, the thing uh <laughs> man i would i would maybe watch it again if there was a commentary from martin breast yeah, well i know i know I, that was the that was like the first thing i was looking for was like i would love it if they like obviously studios aren't this never have this much fun like let him come on there and bitch for two hours for real entire process it's like the uh that's why the armageddon uh commentary track is so good because ben affleck's just shitting on the movie the entire time like yeah bring him in like (laughs) you know we don't want him to fall off the wagon i know he's had some problems with sauce so like let's not give him a drink but (laughs) it would be like him half half of the tank like just be like marty what happened here yeah <laughs> we can get like you know this movie is like a horror movie right we can get vinegar syndrome to do a special efficient yeah like uh yeah like <laughs> one of the i'm sure one of the guys at vinegar syndrome is subversive enough to think this is a great movie um yeah like a lovingly packaged yes. i mean i just got tough guys don't dance Tough guys, pretty tough, which might be actually a pretty interesting double with Chile, frankly. Oh, mm. <laughs> um, uh, no, uh, we're so brain poisoned. If that you we're want, tough. if you want like a truly psychotic mm. night that you might lose friends, oh, but, no. gain en- but gain enemies. Uh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, I want to be infamous. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> New Beverly finally is like. Don Pat, you've made it. You've made it as movie podcast guys. Yeah. So uh, we'd love it if you programmed a double and maybe recorded a live episode afterwards and we picked Tough Guys Don't Dance and Sheely. Oh, <laughs> that would be good. That would be a fun, like, we're going to watch the world burn. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, we well, no, we're open. It's like we're the. We're not Nazis, but it's like if we were the Nazis at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark opening the Ark. <laughs> Harrison, like the two smart people in the back of the room tied up, and Harrison Ford's like, don't open your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> As our faces melt. That's uh, like uh, Lenny Benito and uh, like Billy Weber who came to. <laughs> screaming, like yeah. full of shit, full of shame. Like, yeah, oh, I, totally. mean, I, I was in this. Oh, but I mean, Lenny Benito's another guy who, like, like Justin Bartha, I think, probably thought they were getting like oh, just a banger. Just like oh, I got it. This is like what a role. And oh, you know, and I want to also bring up another thing. Robert Ellswit was the mm. director of photography. Really? No way. And we know, I mean, I think probably most famous for the his collaborations with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> yeah, Punch Drunk Glove, one of the most beautifully shot films ever there will be blood oh my god <laughs> and why do they like all of these people who have experience making movies visual storytelling i mean all of breasts like uh, like we're just praising how gorgeous um Micho black looks with uh, yeah. Manuel lubezki sumptuous they ch- they legitimately chose to spend 60 65 70 percent of this movie in an ugly Studio City apartment. And why? Spending $75 million. Why does this movie look so ugly? Why do they actively choose to make it ugly? Like, at least it could have been, if it had been aesthetically pleasing, I think I may have given it an extra, like, quarter star. Yeah, like, had there been some, like, 
moments similar to Meet Joe Black, where you're just in awe of the visual spectacle you're witnessing, I would be much more uh, favorable towards this film. Like, I wouldn't like it, but I'd at least have something kind of, I'd, I'd at least have like kind of a buoy to hang from in the ocean that is Joe Black or uh, Geely. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it's, and, and I get, I get it. Like, Los Angeles can be photographed in beautiful ways. Like, yeah. To live and die in LA. Let's put it, you know, that would be Gorgeous. a good example. Or even a very, very comparable movie that does a lot of what Geely does successfully, Get Shorty, the Barry yeah. Sonnenfeld film. But uh, I don't know. Like, the money's there. No one took a pay cut to be in this movie. Martin Brest got his full fee. They went into this movie with high hopes, mm. I think. I think they, it, it Maybe, or it may have been the cinematic terror bomb that we were just describing. It, it was a Gone Girl situation. I mean, I think one thing we, um, we need to factor in, too, is that I feel like 2003... Like I feel like 2000. That was a pretty like low year for American. Was it 2003 when this film came out? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was and like a low year for. I feel like that's when American culture was almost at its like made year. Well, you know, and it was like there is this level of you know, and better podcasts than us have described yeah. kind of what culture was like post 9/11. Yeah. Um, and I think. Uh, there is still kind of a, I'm like I don't know if amnesia is the right word, but a um, post haze of mm. what are we, what is this, what are we doing here, kind of thing. Right. Uh, we should note uh, number one grossing film of the year was Lord of the Rings: Return of the King, which certainly dominated, um, but not only the box office but the Academy Awards that year. But down the list, I mean, Finding Nemo, quite beloved. Yeah, film. Yeah, uh, Matrix Reloaded was the number three uh, top grossing movie. The first Pirates of the Caribbean was number four, which I remember, you know, obviously the years have not been well in the memory of that series and the star and all that kind of thing. But I remember it being a very pleasant. I mean, I like I like Gore Verbinski and yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he'd be an interesting topic actually for our show. Oh man, Um, yeah. But uh, next down the list, Bruce Almighty, The Last Samurai. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. I will, God, Bruce Almighty, I rewatched that recently. And like that movie is so mean. It's such a cruel and callous film. Yeah. And we're actually, there's another one that I want to bring up that's coming up that kind of fits. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. The cynicism of G. Lee, Bruce Almighty. But uh, number 10 spot, Bad Boys 2, oh, which no. also is a. <laughs> fairly sadistic film in its own right um also should be noticed november of 2003 was when arnold schwarzenegger became governor of california um also very very uh him leaving the scene of movies for a few years i don't know if that has anything who knows maybe we're overthinking it but um at the academy awards uh, return of the king obviously dominated uh same here though i mean we're talking these are some nice movies lost in translation American yeah. Splendor, yeah, that's Station good. Agent, okay, uh, like, there Master, was a- and, Master and Commander, um, Monster, Something's Gotta Give, Mystic River. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
all, all films of the year. Cold Mountain. I don't know if you remember that one. Uh, City, I, City of God came out in 2000. That's a great movie. Uh, so hey, there was art but, being made. That's fair. I think I think you're still kind of the maybe the last residue, and obviously this works in Martin Brest's narrative too. Like the last residue of, hey, let's you know, toss a Gore Verbinski, toss a Peter Weir, toss a Martin Brest, seventy five hundred million bucks. Yeah, see what they can do, but but at the same time, the smash success of Lord of the Rings, mythology, the mythology, the clean oh, no. storytelling. Oh no, there is vibes on the horizon, and then the sequels. I mean, X Men Two came out yeah. in two thousand three. Bad Boys Two, as as we mentioned, um, you know, the Matrix sequels. Also, the kind of maybe the interest. I mean, I haven't watched. I've actually never even seen Matrix Two and Three oddly enough but um i have a feeling there is vibes from the studio saying oh this is when we let auteurs just go nuts and do whatever they feel like let's rein them in like Mm. lord of the rings is like the best case scenario for the studio matrix two and three probably even though they're both in the top 10 i mean they made a shit ton of cash i mean it's just and people seem to be absolutely over the moon for the upcoming matrix sequel um so who knows but i think that there is a level like i think we are how close are we to iron man in 2003 we're getting there i mean 2008 was iron man um 2008 was also the dark knight Mm. so we are definitely kind of like they are they are finely tuning what it means to kind of where we are at now where everything is so clean like Kind of weird, freaky one-offs from auteurs. Like, nobody's getting $75 million to make a movie like Gigli, even if it's good at this point. Yeah. Like, Gigli was the end. And I don't think Martin Brest, as we kind of reach the tail end, as we move, you know, short one, maybe the shortest episode of the Academy Academy. Who knows? We'll see. We got a few more things to get through. But um, I don't think Martin Brest was prepared to work in an industry that was going to just be ip and he is as we've learned throughout these movies idiosyncratic opinionated strange strange at times um he's not bird but but he's always like these are personal blockbusters i guess is kind of what we've learned from his work like he is trying to work through things he's trying to be himself he's trying to be funny in a weird way um Mm -hmm. and just none of it worked on Gili. and i think he's like definitely i mean you can see around 2003 that was when a lot of like the older people generation older than him but he was kind of similar you know the the sydney pollocks the um alan pakula died around 2000 um but Alan Pakula's last few films definitely were showing kind of like the the wind in the sails of like oh let's gangster movie lawyer movie doctor movie let's put you know Harrison Ford or yeah you know it's, Robert it's Al kind Pacino of, or somebody like that and yeah. just like we'll ride on the coattails that we got stars um big name plus uh fun profession yeah big name fun profession grounded story like the injustice for alls of the world um those were just 
you know, I mean, our beloved Michael Clayton was probably the last, truly, last one of that, uh, last of that ilk. Oh, what a bread. Oh, what a bread. Oh, what a bread. We say it solemnly today. Oh, what a bread. Oh, (laughs) what a bread. I mean, we, you know, and it's, it it is like, Gili stinks. Yeah. But we also mourn the fact that we didn't get more Martin Brest movies. You know, it could have been an anomaly rather than in a period. And, but, you know, we were on our way to kids, Pixar, Marvel, DC, yeah, Harry Potter. I mean, yeah, probably we're probably, you know, that's another one too. We're probably right around the time of the first Harry Potter. Yeah. Movie oh, yeah. No, well. I think the second or third one is out at this point. And like, um, yeah, I do wonder, like, Here's like a crazy what if scenario. Like, do you think it would have done more good for the film industry or more bad for the film industry if Geely had done like really like imagine a crazy bonkers world where Geely did gangbusters, like three hundred million dollars. Like, you know, it's like the fourth highest grossing movie of the year. Do you think there'd be more like uh passion With, projects? It would no, I don't think I don't know. I think it would, it would still have to be good. But I think people would just have said, like, Martin Brest, you know, right, done it again. He might and have gotten another movie out of it. He would have gotten one or two more movies. Yeah. But I think that at some point he would have made, you know, like Tony Gilroy's follow-up to um, Michael Clayton, Duplicity with Julia Roberts and Clive mm-hmm. Owen, is it probably a good example of where if Julie hadn't been out and out disaster, Martin Brest would have made a movie like that. Oh, that's it. I mean, and I, I don't hate Duplicity. No. No, but yeah. it didn't do very well. No. Kind of just disappeared from people's brain space. And, you know, Tony Gilroy's doing touch-up work on Star Wars movies and continuing to do Bourne movies. Yeah. And, we, that... you know, you wish that Tony Gilroy, Tony Gilroy's another, I mean, one of the last of his kind too, you mm-hmm. know, top of the line Hollywood writer. Yep. And movies like Michael Clayton and Duplicity, you know, you wish... Wish you'd gotten 18 of them. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny. You know, I guess I wonder, you know, and I guess at all legends, I wonder if Martin Brest is like no longer making films too, because he just, he doesn't see himself as someone who can work on, you know, it seems like a lot of the directors that are working today, the successful ones, they've recognized that they're going to have to at some point dip their toes in the, either they're going to be like, you know, solely prestige. Like they're solely gonna be like, you and know, making so so few of those who can oh. continue to get by with that. I mean, you know, we've named Tarantino, the Andersons. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's heading toward the end of the list. <laughs> well, it's also we're at a point too because of the internet that if you're a young hot director, immediately Disney's going to be like, you, you've just directed this small indie film that's gotten raves. That was $500,000. I want you to direct uh, Spider-Man 7, Vultures Coming Down or whatever. And, and, like, we'll, and we'll pay you, but you very few idiosyncrasies that made your movie stick out in the first place are going to make it through. Yeah. To, I mean, I think like one filmmaker I'm thinking a lot about lately is um, who I really, really admire and like is David Lowry, who I think is doing it better than anyone in terms mm-hmm. of walking the line of the system. You know, he made... Pete's Dragon for Disney. He, wow, yeah. He's got a Peter Pan movie for Disney coming out next year. But he can bounce back and do a ghost story or even Green Knight. 
which is a very strange movie. Yeah, I, um, I like that Green Knight exists. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it might not be for you necessarily, but the fact that it exists and it's out there and the strange yeah. thing dropped is cool. It's and very think, cool. And he seems to be going at it in a very level-headed way. It's like, okay, I'm going to figure out how to enthusiastically tell these kind of Disney-ish stories. And I think if you look at his films too, Ain't Them Body Saints, Old Man the Gun, Ghost Story, Green Knight, he is interested in kind of fables and mythologies and bedtime stories and kind of archetypes and that kind of thing which puts him in realm you know i think of those kind of dis- classical disney stories mm-hmm. um and maybe martin breast his his field of the kind of cynical action comedy is just not really um it's <laughs> not a thing anymore yeah you know there is like i think he has like even though there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's odious like one thing i will give martin breast credit for uh one thing i think about when i think of like how cinema has changed is the um that alice in wonderland movie with johnny depp and there's that one one. oh yeah just yeah not a great movie uh and it grossed so much money which made me so but like uh, it's huge in China, weirdly enough. Like it's like a really big. Uh, but um, but uh, maybe they should re-release Chile in China and see what happens. Oh, uh, you know what? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it become maybe it maybe it brings us together. We become some world they, unity. They start opening up a bunch of Marie calendars. <laughs> yeah, they open, <laughs> that would be. Oh my god, I would love to work in one of those. That'd be a fun. What a weird life to live. Uh, but um. Uh, but there's like that ending moment in Alice in Wonderland where Johnny Depp is like breakdancing. He's doing like the, the dumb like and it's like the music gets all stupid. And even though like there's similar moments in Geely, I feel I'm like just Martin, my head. it's so bad. I feel you. I was like that in the theater in 2000. I was pressured. I, I, I realized that it was bad then. Uh, but in 2000, but um, I feel like Martin Brest. Actually, you know what? I don't know. He had, I feel like the little Justin Bartha did shit like that. So maybe not. I don't know. Never. I take yeah, it there's all. There's a cutesy it's thing in grim. the credits of him doing the, he, the, the rap again. It's just, uh, and then he again, like. And then the entire idea of like, wouldn't this be funny to have this kid do raps? It's not. It's, 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 it's depressing for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so quick question for you. Um, yeah. Who do you think comes out worst? in Chile mm. and on the flip side who do you think comes out best that's a good question that's hard um I'm gonna say best Lenny Benito just off the top of my head he's he's fine he he he, he delivers his lines with the plum uh he's he's probably gonna still get cast as a tough guy yeah um you know although it does like you do get the sense of like uh, his star may have like he might have like if had this like you know, this could have been a Paul Walter Hauser moment for him had that role popped, and it definitely wasn't. <laughs> yeah, he's probably but, pissed off he didn't get Richard Jewell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Italian Richard Jewell. <laughs> hey. Richard Jewell. Hey. <laughs> I'm yeah, security. Yeah he's, yeah, he's sitting there crying macho now. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know. Oh, Cry Macho, alternate title for this movie. God, for real, cry macho. Yeah. Oh God, this this ding dong. Uh, but I think he by by default he is like the the one that comes out the nicest. Maybe because I'm trying to think of like technical. All the technical stuff is so bland. 
and flavorless. Yeah, yeah, I mean the music is the music bounces between kind of the, like the get shorty like man is this kind of like cool hip yeah. gangster kind of movie with um really kind of maudlin string sections in the moments oh, we should mention too like the moments in which they're supposed like connecting and jennifer lopez is giving ben affleck a look like man you've learned something brian he's a neat kid and you should li- and you like him now don't you and yeah ben affleck's like yep gotta admit Got to admit, I do like him. <laughs> he, he, he does say the penis sneeze thing. Very funny. <laughs> that's really, I mean, because I'm an idiot. So that's really funny to me. <laughs> to me, a penis, that's the, that's the dick. Oh, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. I love it. Oh, God. Yeah, and there are moments in this movie when you're supposed to feel something and you're like, I don't feel fucking, I want them no. to drive this car off of a fucking cliff. <laughs> yeah, no, those are the, definitely the moments where I've, uh, I would get out my phone and be like, okay, let's see what's happening on Twitter. Let's, uh, I'm going to read. If Al Pacino shot Affleck and Lopez as well in that scene. Immediate hero. And then somehow Brian just wandered across town and ended up at the beach and still got to dance with that Australian model. Would that be a more satisfying movie? I think yes. (laughs) Yes. Like 20 minutes of Brian just wandering. (laughs) What? Oh yeah, he, gets, he gets like mugged and he goes through all this horror. Oh no! But then he like stumbles on the beach and the Baywatch is happening and all is well. And then he just but, he, he's like, I can die now. I'm. He just, and then they cut back to Pacino's place, and all three characters' brains are floating around in that fish tank, getting eaten uh, by fish. And you roll the credits over a like like a card counter esque ending. Of the uh, fish tank, though. Oh, <laughs> uh, but then there's an after credit scene where Starkman is eating at Marie Callender's with a certain police with officer. A, with a <laughs> boy, that was what a wild adventure, am I right? It's all yeah. over your face. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I take it back. Uh, Leia Benito, he's fine, but uh, I had to give it to Walken. Walken's the saving grace. Yeah, I think, I think, well, yeah, I think Walken is the only thing that about like he gets to come in. He does one scene, one inexplicable scene. And at first you're like, oh, is this another boring Geely scene? And then he suggests they go to Murray Calendars and um, boy, sparks fly. The only moment uh, of the movie when sparks truly cut back yeah. to Lopez. Oh, cut back to Lopez he... and Affleck looking at him like, the fuck are you talking about? Oh yeah, like slap, your tongue would slap your brains out trying to get it out. Like just insane dialogue. So somehow in his world, ice cream has ended up on top of your head at right calendars and you're waving your tongue out up like in the air trying to get it's like a mouse trap almost you're trying to get your damn trying to get you trying to get all that ice cream it's on top of your head it's like i'm gonna run a marathon because i gotta get my hands on this ice cream well, i think it's like it is like it's body horror it's cronenberg-esque tongues don't go that high yeah, and there's no way martin brass wrote that dialogue no. Walken showed up on set with an idea, and they're like, "Chris, man, we love you're such a freak, man. We love you. You're dancing <laughs> with Fat Boy Slim and showing up in Tarantino movies. Let's let you do your thing." And he does it. It's in the movie. It doesn't make out. And then, folks, you need to remember this hangs over the entire thing. He never returns to the movie. <laughs> Not at all. It's a one. I, not it's mentioned. If, not mentioned again. Not considered again. 
Yeah, uh, Christopher Walken uh, treats this cameo like a man who's just stepped in a huge pile of dog shit and wants to get the hell away. And, He's but like, at the same time, there is a, there's a thought. Did Christopher Walken write like John Doe and Seven style notebook about his character <laughs> where he thought it was going? Okay, he loves Marie Callender's. His favorite thing, ice cream. Ice cream is what he lives for. What what drives this detective character? Hmm. Uh, ice cream. Marie Callender's. Uh, Marie he's so Callender's. Wa- he's so walkany in this. Like it's so his di- he re- delivers his dialogue in like the most walkany walking way. But the you know, the thing is, Pacino also shows up with like a character in mind. Like he yes. has a ponytail. He's got a weird tan. He wears a weird suit. He's got kind of like a. He's doing his like Pacino jazzier voice. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm not convinced. That's just like that's just Al Pacino on a regular day, like on a Tuesday in yeah. 2003. And he's like, Al, yeah, uh, yeah. He doesn't have a movie lined up, so he hasn't gotten a haircut in a while. So he's, yeah. we know he wanted a ponytail for multiple characters. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted Michael Corleone to have a ponytail. Oh, that would have been so sick. <laughs> that would have been so cool. <laughs> he wanted Carlito to have a ponytail. Yes, I have to give them all ponytails, <laughs> I say. He's a hair actor. We know it. We know yeah. it. We've learned it over eight months. Um, <laughs> so, but I mean, like, yeah, Pacino does, like, Pacino Walker are just, like, so good and had already become kind of, like, they do what Pacino and Walken do. Like, Affleck and Lopez and poor Lenny. <laughs> Lenny? Yeah. That reminds me of Vice of Man. They should have shoot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, you're going to the Baywatch now. Don't worry. Yeah. Don't worry. Just You'll be at the out, Baywatch look, soon. Look enough. out toward the Baywatch, Brian. Look out yeah. toward the Baywatch. You'll yeah. be there soon. <laughs> Just uh, listen to Urban Dance Squad some more. I like big butts and I cannot. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm sorry. He'll be in the Baywatch. And Chili's like, does this make me a real gangster now? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> and then the cue. The the that is dumb- the thing, though. We, other movies like are good, and it's just like, oh, here's a couple pitches that you could throw out to make them like, really put them over the top. Right. Or even our pitches on Chili are bad. <laughs> because- you know, it, it's, dude, it's like trying to put a fucking band-aid on uh, an op on in on inoperable cancer like it's yeah, impossible. yeah it's like it's like taking them to a, ta- a healer it's like we have to go down <laughs> to mexico now for the cancer treatment because none of the others have worked yeah no, we're, we're like yeah we're at a faith healer we're yeah. like at a, yeah we're at a seventh You're day visiting and... a shaman now yeah. oh god yeah it is just truly beyond yeah is there it's... is there more is there more incense than iv machines you bet, sir. At this point, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say, though, I think, um, you know, you could vote for Martin Brest here, but I, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's either, it's either Affleck or Bartha come off the worst. Oh man, it's hard to say because Bartha seems like an innocent who got caught up in something very bad. <laughs> Affleck, <laughs> Affleck seems to be trying to do something that just fails. Yeah. miserably i mean like yeah well, it's funny because like on one hand bartha does come off as an innocent trying to do something bad but on the other hand it's like an innocent who gets caught up in trying to do something bad and then like realizes oh i really yeah. like being bad i like being evil yeah <laughs> if you're a soldier who's just following orders 
but you do fall. It is a war crime still. <laughs> Back to the card counter. <laughs> Justin Barth is out playing cards in like Kansas City right now, trying to just ignore the fact he had a terrible life. Yeah. <laughs> William William Willem Defoe is smart and breast. And they're doing the thing where like that Smart crazy questions. cinematography when they're in Abu Ghraib, but it's like the Oh. Like, come on the set of Geely, Justin. Oh, what? Yeah. Okay, so we were going to write our script about Geely being a terrorist attacked, but we need to get it to Paul Schrader for him to direct it. Yes. That's yes. There it is. Yeah. There it oh, is. yeah. And Justin Bartha, he's just this grizzled character actor. Like, he can only get jobs in National Geographic and Hangover. He's oh, let's, let's so bitter. Just, Justin Bartha as Martin Brest in this version of it. <laughs> it's like a comeback. It's like Mickey Rourke and the wrestler. It's a comeback story for the millennium. Oh, uh, man. Uh, he gets, wins an independent spirit award for this insane meta movie we've just come up with. Yeah, when, yeah, when uh, Ty Sheridan as Justin Bartha enters Martin Breast's house and tortures and like, him to death. But then the movie fails at the box office because Schrader goes on Facebook. It's like, you know, I don't think that Jennifer Lopez was objecti- objectified at all in the original <laughs> yeah. yeah, She was a hot lemon. He says something yeah. like that. Yeah. And like it's like, hot lemon? What are you saying, Paul like, Schrader? Oh, Paul, get off of Facebook. <laughs> like, yeah, there should be a role. If you you're are over- no longer invited to Paul Dano's card <laughs> yeah, game. Out. Paul you're Schrader. Out. Paul Schrader out now. Uh, ejected once again. <laughs> yeah. Now Tony Gilroy is at your spot, buddy. Yeah, he's not going to say anything cancelable. Oh, uh, no, he gets it. He gets it. Yeah, he gets it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I imagine he firmly gets it. That guy, that guy knows what he's doing. He's a pro. Oh, yeah, no, he's a professional. He's he, not a lunatic genius like Schrader, but, you know, he's a pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can't have, um, if, if everyone was a lunatic, then, you know, how would we call it out? You know what go, I mean? Go, go see the, if, if you've learned anything from this episode, um, go see the card counter. Yeah, <laughs> it's, go, it's, go, way better, yeah. it's way better than any of this. <laughs> oh, totally. If, if only for the reason that you can imagine um, in your head that whenever, uh, Geely was being directed you could only view it in the way the cinematography viewed the flashback scenes because i just yeah. i love that visual of just like it's like it's like the flashback you, scene you, you you'd want to go to military prison too oh a hundred percent a hundred percent oh man that okay. would be so funny if card getter was exactly the same except it was just clips of Geely when oscar isaac was having flashbacks Oh no! That was so... like, yeah, people like instead of like heavy metal music, like nah, the inmates like, they're telling us everything. Oh god! Um, but yeah, I think this I is think, better than sodium pentothal. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, yeah, Affleck is still there. Is still Geely residue in Affleck. Yeah, and, he, and you know, one of the reasons I love Affleck, he walks into it, he's dating Jennifer Lopez again, which just reminds you that Geely existed. He can't help it. He can't. Uh, he can't. God bless him. Keep keep doing it. You know, he's what's going to happen too in like six years? He's going to direct another movie that wins him like Best Picture Director. <laughs> yeah. And then, then he's going to follow it up by playing like doing a sequel to I Am Sam. Yeah, like, God. Yeah, he'll do a sequel to Pluto Natch. Yeah, and he's like, <laughs> I'm going to get it right this time. It's like, no, Ben. No. He's like, no, yeah. I think I think so. I mean, I, because my kids love that. He'll do it for good reasons. Like, my kids love that movie. <laughs> my kids love I Am Sam. That's a yeah. grim child. I don't know. Yeah, God <laughs> bless him. We love, we love, we love you, Ben. We know we that 
<laughs> at the same uh, time, at the same time, though, when you're yelling, act normal to Justin Bartha in this movie. Oh. It's, it's, it's tough. So, yeah, it is like, yeah, I think he comes off. I'm on your side. He comes off as the worst. I think he's like, a, he's like an inch ahead of just because his character is so odious. Justin like, Bartha's character is an offensive stereotype. Geely is just one of the worst people ever presented. Yeah, as a he's just character. offensive. Yeah, he just sucks. Yeah. Like he's just like he's just truly like he might be. I can't think. I'm trying to think of a character in like popular culture I don't like. Maybe like a character from Norbit. It's it's really hard. Well, like I had... it's got to be someone who like you're supposed to like. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing. It's like yeah. Larry Geely is our protect ostensible protagonist in this uh, film and yeah. He's our there are obviously worker. like travis bickle in mm-hmm. taxi driver isn't a particularly likable guy but the story is compelling enough that you're willing to go down the road with him or oh, jacob mana and uh raging bull um i mean maybe this movie had because like yeah that's like the thing is like I wish there was like a moment in this movie, maybe where like Geely confided in someone, like, "Hey, I'm like at the edge of my rope. I don't know what I'm doing." Maybe well, I think he's um, I think he's confused about his sexual orientation, and I don't think that they wanted to um, go far enough. Go far enough into that, man. Yeah. Which would yeah, have been an interesting thing. Yeah, that uh, actually a, cla- a, clause, a closeted tough guy gangster who's coming to terms with that. That's immediately fascinating immediately better i mean they did it on the sopranos in a yeah. really good way but um you know yeah oh this movie i'm i guess there is a part of me that on one hand is glad that because like they would have not done it well no they wouldn't have it they would have done it in a very like because all of it turns into weird jokes weird bad jokes Ugh. um but yeah we should um you know as we head toward the tail end of the breast years of our lives um this has been really fun I'll put it that way. Yeah. Um, despite the the tear the entire way through that we had to watch this watch this movie again. I think I, I've enjoyed all of them. Beverly Hills Cop and Midnight Run were true treats. I talked to a friend yesterday who said he listened to our up and that led him to going back to watching Beverly Hills Cop and had an enjoyable evening. So if we oh, can do nice. that for if we can do that for one person. Yeah, we, we we've succeeded. Uh, we'd still love to have Martin Brest on the show. Maybe he wants to doesn't want to talk about any of his work and just wants to come on for season three to rate one of the movies that we're going to be discussing. Well, we'd love that. Just talk about, we're not going to say, you know, bleep it out. <laughs> uh, we're not ready to announce that yet. But I thought uh, maybe as we sum things up, we could talk about, uh, do a quick impromptu, not discussed beforehand, um, uh, absolute undeniable Martin Brest rankings. Oh yeah, let's do it. So, um, I believe we have seven movies. Mm-hmm. Am I? Yeah, who knows? We know what's last. Geely. Yeah. We n- no thought. Uh, but what is the? Um, what do you got next on the list of your? Um, and folks, uh, what we'll do here too is um, list them out. Hot Tomorrows, Going in Style, Beverly Hills Cop, Midnight Run, Scent of a Woman, Meet Joe Black, Geely. Okay, so number seven was Geely for me. Uh, for number six, I think I'm gonna do. Hmm, it's tough. It's. I think I'm gonna do. Um, because there's clearly like two tiers after Geely. Yeah. Of like you know, there's like three that are like uh kind of like on the lesser side, and three that are clearly better films. Uh. 
you know what? I'm going to do Hot Tomorrows at number six. It's a movie that um, is interesting and it's cool and it showed the promise of, uh, it shows you the promise of Martin Brest, uh, but it's also kind of clearly like a college film. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling there because I'm struggling between that and another film for this slot. And I think just for the sake of conversation, I'm going to go with the other film because mm-hmm. uh, I, I admire kind of the how provocative Hot Tomorrow's is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say Meet Joe Black. Oh, totally fair. Um, there's a movie in that. I don't know if there's a movie in Geely, so that would put it ahead, but there's some strange stuff in an overly long movie in which kind of the main romance doesn't really work um, with a character that I don't think Brest or the writers or Brad Pitt really had totally down, although man, you know, makes me want to have a spoonful of peanut butter. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Meet, Meet Joe Blank in the sixth spot, actually. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, what do you got for uh, your five spot? Oh, man. So I, I think we're going to differ quite a bit with these bottom ones because I'm going to go with Son of a Woman here. Yeah. Son of a Woman is uh, just because um, Son of a Woman, uh, I did like it a little more this time around than last time, but it's still just, it's too long. It's very long. And um, Al Pacino's performance is fascinating. I almost like Chris O'Donnell's performance more at this point. I like how, like, uh, yeah, yeah, because it's like, I like the movie. I like thinking of the movie as, like, this poor kid from, like, a small town having to, like, deal with the insanity that is Colonel Frank Slade. Like, he plays it very real. He's very grounded. Like, the Mm. part where they're battling over the gun, he's legitimately scared. Which really is impressive, especially oh. in early performance. I think it's, it might still be Chris O'Donnell's best performance. I think so too. I think he's like really, he's truly yeah. like it's a great. I think he he's truly like, great. He feels like a kid. He feels yeah. like the kid he's playing. Yeah, he feels he's real. really believable. And I think, I, I mean, I think actually, I think all the kids go to the bullies too. Oh, oh, great, Nicholas yeah, Sadler. I, I like, I like all of them. Yeah, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, obviously, Todd Louise, all great. Uh, yeah, not Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah, not Peter Sarsgaard and not, yeah, not Pete. Uh, the only other thing I'm going to say, too, is I think, like, the only reason this movie is a little below Meet Joe Black for me is just because there's no, like, like, I wish, like, I wish Son of a Woman just had, like, slightly more interesting cinematography or, like, technical. I feel like there isn't, like, a lot of that visual splendor or sumptuousness in Son of a Woman that you find. Meet Joe Black is truly, like, a gorgeous film. Yeah, it's uh, it's tasty. It's like that spoonful of peanut butter. It's yeah, really tasty. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, I'm get, I give it four spoonfuls of peanut butter for its uh, <laughs> yeah for its cinematography. Now, uh, here, yeah, give me your number four or five. Oh, now, now all this scent of a woman talk. It's got me really thinking. But it's like, is that a bold gesture to put hot tomorrows over both scent of a woman and meet Joe Black? Totally fair. Do it. I and I kind of think so. Sento Woman's kind of a mess. Yeah, it I is. Mean, it's it's a known. It might be one of the messiest like movies of its type. Like you think of a movie like I don't know, Green Book mm-hmm. comes to mind as kind of a similar or Rain Man. They kind of work as movies. Like say what you will about their um, <sighs> social stances and you know what they right. think they're accomplishing and kind of the manipulative qualities 
right. of those movies, which Sensible Woman's frankly is going for <laughs> as well. Um, they're not, but also at the same time, they are cleaner. Barry Levinson, another guy we could maybe add to the list of kind of, you know, middlebrow kings. Yeah. Isn't there another, uh, there's two, we can do like a Barry Seidenfeld, Barry Levinson. Yeah. Something like Barrett the Barrys. Yeah. You know. <laughs> oh, and Barry Sonnenfeld's cinematography in Miller's Crossing. Mm. Mm. Love it. Oh, uh, yeah. He rules. Bravo. But, um, but yeah, going back to, you, know, you have to give the sloppy, the messy octopus-like spread of weird storylines and plot lines that occur in the later breast films mm-hmm. are what make them breast films. because his contemporaries his ilk don't do that they are a lot cleaner in their storytelling than Uh breast is so i don't know but you know i admire hot tomorrows i'm going scent of a woman in this slot hell yeah yeah i I think so so i think um where are we at number four i think think. yeah 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 this is the four um yeah this is the fourth what did you have you what did you have it for you got you must have meet joe black Yes, for me, I have. Oh wait, no, it's my turn to do number four. Five or five? You're, you're still on five. Yeah, I'm five. Oh, my brain's ruined. Uh, here we go. Geely ruined my brain. Uh, meet Joe Black. I have to do Meet Joe Black for my number uh, five then. Uh, just because. Uh, it's a great. I don't even know where we're at. Yeah, we are. We are. So we had Geely at seven. Yeah. <laughs> we had uh, six was you had Hot Tomorrows yes. and I had Meet Joe Black. Five, I had Scent of a Woman. So I'm at four. This is, this is, and what did you have at five? I so had, you have, um, wait, so seven is Geely. It's okay, we're gonna get this done. We're figuring it out. Okay, so seven is Geely. Six is, uh, six is Hot Tomorrow's. Five is Scent of a Woman. This is my five, the Scent of a Woman. So okay. then my four is Meet Joe Black. Now I'm on okay. four. Yeah. Meet Joe Black at four, and I have, um, well, I haven't said why I've put Meet Joe Black at four yet. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, Meet Joe Black. Uh, I put it at four above the other two just because there's so much like technical brilliance in that movie that keeps me like in awe. Like I think like out of the the lower tier of the Martin Breast features, it has like it has the best performances I think, um, and the best cinematography, some of the best music. Like everything kind of works. Like, um, this is a huge mess that makes no sense at all. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. As Claire Forlani's character in the movie underdeveloped and, and not well written. Yeah, totally. Um, is Brad Pitt just a fucking weirdo in this movie? 110%. But, uh, I will say though, I agree. I, I think, uh, Anthony Hopkins puts in the best performance overall outside of maybe Chris O'Donnell of the second half. Yeah. Of, of Martin Brest's career. I think he's yeah. I think he's great in it. I think uh, Marsha Gay Harden is great in yeah. it. Uh, Jake Weber is a lot of fun in it. But uh, I think it's just like, and it's going to be one of those movies where like, am I ever going to watch it again in its entirety? Hell no. Uh, would I put it on uh, in the background on my computer while I'm like writing something or filing my taxes? Yeah, it's fun to have. It's a good background movie. You did put on as our background on our Twitter feed that picture of um, Brad and. Uh... <laughs> Anthony shaking down Jake Weber in the bizarre IRS scene. And I yeah. mean, it put a smile on my face when I saw that photo. I was, I was like, like eh. okay, yeah, this, this kind of sums it all up. Um, <laughs> and number four is uh, Hot Tomorrow's. Ooh. Um, I think Hot Tomorrow's is interesting. 
Yeah, very, very interesting. I wish he had, um, you know, we kind of brought up even Lynchian elements to it. I mm-hmm. think that it's a strange one. It's I wish he had. Um, obviously, he can't make it in the boy. Can't make it in Tinseltown with a bunch of hot tomorrows. But um, boy, kind of wish he had. Kind of wish he had. What if Martin Brest had gone and become the next David Lynch, like a contemporary of David Lynch, like Meet Joe Black as directed by David Lynch. Like wow. Joe Black, instead of being Brad Pitt, Joe Black would have been like the, the jar of peanut butter. His dad. <laughs> yeah, no, it would have been, been like Robert Blake. <laughs> I I'm inside the house. Oh yeah. my God. It's <laughs> um, horrifying. I know. Oh man, what a, yeah. yeah. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, yeah. But I, yeah, I think Hot Tomorrow is kind of groovy. And if you all, if you all get a chance to see it, I, I recommend checking it out because I think it's um, pretty fascinating. You know, I'll tie. Um, I'll put Hot Dogs in the same number four slot. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I think that it's it's really it's a really interesting start to his career. I don't know how he went from that to even Scent of a Woman, but. Hey, you know, that's part of the mystery. You know, it is kind of Lynchian that quite a bit of the narrative thread that we're trying to track with this Martin Brest season is pretty avant-garde and <laughs> pretty out there. Um, <laughs> what do you have at your number three slot? Oh, this is so, I'm agonizing over this because these are three really good movies. Uh, and I remember initially, I was so keen on having Go In Style be my number one. I really liked that movie. But that then- too. It's it's really good, but then there's also Beverly Hills Cop, which is like kind of unimpeachable. It's so good, and Midnight Run. They're all ah, this is they're bangers. They're all bangers. I think I'm gonna have to go against what I said initially because I really do like going in style a lot, but just because I think Beverly Hills Cop and Midnight Run might be just a little more important, and like uh, there's something kind of like. crucial to those films that maybe going in style doesn't quite have it on its own uh i'll put going in style at number three although you, the going in style remake at number eight <laughs> yeah no yeah i think going in style hmm, that's a good question is going in style remake is that worse than geely uh i think i would rather watch the going in style remake which is insane is that on tape who knows uh, who knows? That's okay. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. We've, we've barely been able to uh, keep track of seven numbers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We're both brain ruined. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, oh, but, there's uh, a seven rem- the seven deadly seven remake. It's uh, like, Morgan Freeman's like, my God, it's a scent of a woman crime. You could expect <laughs> six more of these. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. This, cl- this crime was. Oh, and it ends with them blowing up the fucking Statue of Liberty. Kevin Spacey goes. I guess. I guess Gili was my sin. <laughs> gobble 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 gobble. <laughs> Brad Pitt's back blowing his head off. He goes. I am, I am Meet Joe Black, and this is death. <laughs> there's just a giant. Uh, there's oh just God. a giant like 400 foot uh, box with like the head of the Statue of Liberty in it. Yeah, Danny DeVito turns out he's like, this is my masterpiece, and I blew it. Oh God! Uh, what a what an I love this. Uh, I love uh, psycho I'm, psycho stuff. Someone give us uh, money to make this insane seven. Wanna, e- either yeah, either the uh, terrorist version of Geely 
or uh, Seven with Martin, inspired by the films of Martin Brest. Yeah, so you to hear first, folks. Our, our first blacklist uh, script is either going to be Terrace Geely or... Yeah. <laughs> or, or seven inspired by Martin Brest. What's uh, that? Um, Netflix had never taken our calls in the first place and has now officially blacklisted us. Okay, yeah. we get yeah, it. Oh, <laughs> I, just, uh, I just like went to check my <laughs> my smartphone's messages, and a, a literal moth just flew out of my phone. <laughs> Wait a second! I'm getting a Venmo request <laughs> from from uh, Amazon Prime saying they want a hundred dollars for bad ideas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have to give them the money. Yeah, that we have to pay now because oh, no. the time to pay the the Hollywood toll. Uh, um, yeah, my number three is also uh, going in stuff. Yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, very good. I think um, lovely, sweet, melancholy movie i just think one and two are perfect versions of their genre and form yes and so this is going to be an interesting one here um what do you have it to i you know what i have to do um midnight run for number two great film charles groden's incredible in it uh all the uh the pratfalls and goofs and the the level of heightening and escalation is kind of perfect uh everything escalates at like a perfect pace where by the time you get to like the uh insane plane in the farm scene it doesn't feel like uh too out of place like it feels no, the like heightening is perfect they've earned it yeah. yeah and it's uh and they just have like the two it's like two perfect actors a perfect script it's a lot of fun yeah um my number two is Beverly Hills Cop. Mm. Um, and the reasoning is, and I can, I'll relate it to my number one as mm. well. I think it might be helpful to compare and contrast because they are both perfect in their own ways. I think um, Beverly Hills Cop relies on a truly transcendent star performance. Mm. The reason I, ha- and brilliant, and it's so much fun and it's just an enjoyable time. I think Midnight Run is more emotionally compelling and more complete as a movie than Beverly Hills Cop. It doesn't rely necessarily on, wow, we've got an all-timer at this incredible moment and we're just letting him go. It's like like the beats and the moves, and like you were saying about the heightening and that kind of thing. It's like as it travels and it kind of surprises you because at first you're like, I can't believe I'm going to be engaged emotionally with this movie. But by the end, you're like, I really care about these two guys and their friendship and they care about each other and that's kind of neat and beautiful how it kind of the, I mean, it goes to show kind of how tough it was with the Geely and connecting Geely and Ricky like it is hard and Midnight Run is kind of a magic trick but I'm so happy like when we talked I had never seen it before but um now I cherish it like I'm like really like I have it on blu-ray and I'm like very excited for Thanksgiving when my family comes here because um it's like on my list of things to do is for hang with my dad and my brother to watch midnight run and like watch the movie that is like was a missing piece of the saunderson movie canon <laughs> that that i know that all of them are gonna be like oh that was so much fun what a great time you know i guess that's like the entire joy of movies is kind of this idea of like oh I get to share it and hang out and like have this bond within it and so i maybe it's personal that i feel this way about it but i was so 
I just found it to be such a delightful movie. And then no no diss to Beverly Hills Cop at all. Oh, yeah. Beverly Hills Cop is a masterpiece of its kind and, you know, has maybe the greatest opening eight minutes around just in terms of fun and setting up character. And, you know, I'm still doing the Neutron Dance. Don't give me your, I'm not shutting the door. I'm not shutting the door on the Neutron Dance. But tell me why, why you got Beverly Hills Cop at one. You know, it's just, um, I think that Eddie Murphy performance is like, I kind of re- realized for the first time, oh, this is why Eddie Murphy is like the critically lauded. Not that I de- never like, not that I didn't like his work beforehand, but I think I grew up at a time when uh, Eddie Murphy had largely kind of like, by the time I was like 11 or 12, he was like family movies and sort of like broader comedies. He'd sort of mm. kind of left behind like the peaks he had once inhabited it. And you weren't there for like the dangerous 22 year old Eddie. No, I wasn't there for cool Eddie. I wasn't there. Yeah. I think, you know, like the closest I ever got to that was maybe Bowfinger. Like, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah. And you said it perfectly. It's like he was so cool. He, like, was. he was so much fun. He was like the coolest guy. Like Axel's like the Axel is the best. Yeah. And it's one of those performances, too, where I don't think anyone else could pull off what he's doing with the same like joie de vivre and like gusto that he brings. Hey, 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 wait a second wait a second I, 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 <laughs> oh no i got a, i got an objection there i think i would have done a great job you see the film cobra <laughs> uh sylvester get out get out of here i'm getting the bro- <laughs> i had to get the first sorry just say a lot of people said i could have done a great job in Beverly Hills Cop. all right bye <laughs> um come on sylvester come on now you would have been fun don't get me wrong would have been fun but, but would have been you're you're right. It's such the it is one of the all-time kind of like star making performances. Yeah, and I can't and that's also like I can't think of a like a film where like the character is like so like kind of like right all the time and like uh like he's you like have no problem with it. Yeah, exactly. Like in every other movie, any other actor, that would annoy the shit out of me. How like uh like his Bugs Bunny shit, like his like constantly like being playing at the top of his intelligence compared to everyone else. But Eddie Murphy pulls it off. It's just because he's an underdog. That's cool. Like yeah, you want to root super, for him at every. Yeah, he's super fun. He's the best. I mean, who gives a shit? Watch both of them. Yeah, watch, watch them both. Watch both of them the rest of your life. You probably, you know, if you like movies, if you like a good time at movies, these are in your these are in the, the queue. Oh, whenever, 100%. You, whenever you want to feel good. Like, yeah, man, movies. They're fun. Movies yeah. are the best. Oh, also the um, music slaps. Like the some of the best yo, music in a film ever. Like well, both both of them. The score to Midnight Run is oh, a banger too. But true, yeah, but the Beverly Cop soundtrack is one of the that, great soundtracks. Boop boop no boop, boop, boop boop boop. Yeah. Yep. Neutron Dance. Like uh, Heat is on. We got them Ooh, all. I mean, man. Yeah. Just hit after hit. Play them at your next party when that's things like, open up. When you can take off the masks and dance. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they're fun. That's like that's like the one um, annoying thing about later uh, uh, later abreast is there's no bangers, no bangers yeah. really. Yeah, I don't. No, to kind of sum things up, it's like seems like he lost. He, he like I think it's really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really really hard, and he reached, but. And not everyone is Martin Scorsese or Quentin Tarantino or yeah. who can kind of like stay at the top of King Shit Mountain, for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. um, and but the fact is, man, that guy did see the summit, and he left. 
you know, if his career is over, which I think it probably is, I hope he's doing well. Hope he's content. Hope he's, and I hope he's like knows that. And I think that that thing with PT Anderson to go back to the very top of our conversation a few episodes ago, I think the thing with PT Anderson probably showed him that like, you know, it didn't, maybe it didn't end perfectly, but man, Beverly Hills Cop and Midnight Run are, he made a couple. Yeah. Oh. And that's hard to do. Not yeah. many people even got that far. And I think it's like, yeah, he's, he's set, like he has a, uh, a footnote in the history of cinema just yeah. by nature. Yeah. And like, you know, that's more than 99.9% of the population of Earth. Yep. So hats off to you. Yep. Martin Brest. This no, will, will. Super fun. So next up, we can reveal it. Um, this is a long, long, long time in the works. Back to yeah. the Streep season discussion Patrick and I have had about something we wanted to do. We're doing another mini series, And this one, boy, I am like jazzed to watch all of these movies. I don't know about you. I'm excited. Yeah. So this season, the next season up is going to be called Brooks Brooks. Think Frost Nixon <laughs> when I say that. <laughs> yes. um, oh, maybe, Brooks Brooks. Maybe I'll do a Photoshop. We'll see. Yeah. And we're going to be taking a look at the combined works, which have a lot of crossover. They work together a lot of James L. Brooks and Albert Brooks. We're staying in the realm of light comedy, dramedy. We're going to look at their entire careers. We're going to be starting off next week um, with Starting Over, produced and written by James L. Brooks and Real Life the first film written and directed and starring Albert Brooks and, if, and um, taking a look at just their careers as two of the kings of, um, should we say adult comedies? Yeah, or like, you know, sort of like uh, neurotic, but not neurotic to the point of cynical, maybe? Mm-hmm. Although they get cynical sometimes, I'm not yeah, sure. And I'm very curious too, because we're going to, I mean, much like Martin Brest, um, you know, they neither of them have directed in a while. Their mm-hmm. careers kind of petered out in certain ways. I mean, James L. Brooks is still making hand over fist cash with that Simpsons money. Oh, yeah. And uh, Albert Brooks uh, in the last few years has redefined himself as a very, very interesting, not that he wasn't before, I think he's a tremendous actor, but a character actor in films like Drive and um, Judd Apatow's with the oh uh, I know you're talking about this is forty this is forty and he's actually uh, the best oh uh, a most dangerous year and he's mm-hmm. done a few concussion on I tell the truth you know <laughs> <laughs> he, I liked it I think he was maybe the best part of this is forty yeah and yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna weave through back and forth between the two of them how they crossed over how they didn't we're gonna rank them we're gonna see if there's some through lines with their careers you know we might. Um, Depending on time constraints, obviously James O. Brooks' television career is um, monumental mm-hmm. in terms of his success in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, maybe take a look at some of that stuff, too. Ooh, yeah. Uh, but we're going to be looking down the line all the way through the filmographies. And um, hopefully, yeah, hang with us, enjoy these, watch along, because I think there's a lot of them. Um, I mean, they're heavy hitters, the modern romance Defending Your Life, Broadcast News, uh, Terms Ten- of Endearment. Yeah. Uh, these are heavy hit movies. These are good stuff. 
There's I, right. I, I, and I've never seen so many. I've only seen one Albert Brooks movie. I mean, like when he's directed, I think I've only seen Defending Your mm. Life. So I'm excited to really get into that for the first time. Yeah, I think I think you're going to, you know, I think it's going to be a real treat for us. You know, selfishly for us, we've been talking about this for a while. I think just because we wanted to watch Albert Brooks movies and we had, um, you know, about a year ago, we talked about broadcast news together, I think. Yeah. We we love that. That movie's so good. Yeah. A a truly great film. I mean, in in the same vein, actually, of, you know, different genre, of course, but kind of Midnight Run and Beverly Hills Cop and just being like the best version of what it is. Yes. You know, and so looking forward uh for you all to uh enjoy us enjoy us enjoy it enjoy the journey of brooks <laughs> brooks over the next i don't know what five or six weeks we'll see who knows i don't know we yeah. might, might continue maybe we'll get really into taxi and just want to watch a season of that i don't know um <laughs> but um thanks to martin breast for giving us this very interesting few weeks and uh thank you all for listening And we'll see you next week for episode one of Brooks Brooks. And now I can take Donald out of the, uh, out of the, the dryer. I've done. Yeah. Been recording this. I'm out of the dryer. And uh, what do you say? We uh, cross this street and we can split a jar of peanut butter at that diner over there. Yeah. And then, uh, Hey, pause, pause in the middle of the road. Of course, just, people do the two of us yeah can, I, I mean i see the sign the sign says don't walk but says i'm walking. don't walk but i'm smiling because it's a good day we're gonna split this jar of, is, is that one text oh no two cars, cars. <laughs> two cars